0: Listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at South Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Good to see y'all. Good to worship with you. Hey, if you have your Bible, turn to James chapter 1. As you know, we are working our way through James, and today we will finish chapter 1. But James chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. Looking forward to it to being in God's word with you today. James 1, we're gonna dive into uh, verse 22. And uh, first thing I wanna do this morning is just read through 22 through verse 27. Again, James 1. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and uh, immediately forgets what what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows and their distressed and to keep oneself unstained from the world. One of my favorite things I get to do as a pastor is I get to be part of um, people's weddings and perform their weddings. Always a good time. And I got to perform uh, Jake and Autumn Zuzalek's wedding uh, a few months ago. Super fun, super exciting time. And uh, Every wedding I get to get to be a part of is special, but one thing I'll never forget about about their wedding was at the reception. Um, their first song they dan- they danced to was "Love" by Nat King Cole. Y'all know that that song, right? I thought about singing it for you, but your Sunday's not going to be that great, okay? So, um, but he, they danced to Nat King Cole, and what was a little bit different about about their first dance compared to other first dances is even though the whole uh, wedding reception, the whole crowd has gathered around, was gathered around them, and, and pretty close. We're, we're, we're pretty close. The whole time, as they're dancing to that song by the way, I got permission to share this, just in case you're all wondering, okay? but the whole time they're, they're, share, uh, they're uh, dancing, Jake is just staring into autumn's eyes, singing the whole song to her. Oh, right. Uh, not a care in the world that we're all watching. And, and I think what was, what was just as cool was watching Autumn's face. So if you, if you know their story, um, they're, they're high school sweethearts. And uh, it's, it's cool to hear like, just the, the, how Autumn always kind of uh, had a little crush on, on Jakey Jake, right? <laughs> always loved Jake. And so in that moment to see him singing to her as they're dancing, and she's, she was just kind of melting in his arms. What, what a cool picture of, of love that that was. Yeah, from that moment, they don't, um, one thing I'm sure of, they didn't sit down after that first dance and Autumn think, oh man, like, what can I do to secure Jake's love for me? What can I do to, to, to earn his love? No, there, there was no doubt he loved her. Right, Autumn? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I got a head nod. Yeah, for sure. You know what else didn't happen? She didn't walk away. She didn't go sit down at the table where their food was and go, "Ugh." glad that's over. Golly, now I can do whatever I want. <laughs> no, it, there was kind of this aura of, of joy about them that night. She was secure in her groom's love. Why do I share that story? It's a great picture of the love that God has for us and how we respond to that love. So Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we know God loves us, amen? There's no doubt we are secure in his love. And if you know that love, if you've received that love, you you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I can tell you two things you don't do that you that you don't have to do. You don't have to go, oh man, how, how can I earn it? How can I secure it? How, how can I help him love me? No, he loves you. It, it's done, the relationship is secured. And the other thing you don't do is go, oh, God loves me, but I, I wish I could just get away from him and do my own thing. No, if you know the love of Jesus, you've experienced his delight in you, then the the really the only response, but certainly the appropriate response from that is to live a life that brings the light to him. Right? That's what we really discussed last week in in looking at uh, verses 19 to 21, that a big theme for James is, is living out the righteousness of God. So remember, Paul talks about the fact that we are made righteous with God by grace through faith because of what Christ has done for us. We can't earn it. James kind of approaches the righteousness of God, looks at it, uses it a little differently in that, okay, because I received the righteousness of God, because Jesus loves me, because of that, I want to live a righteous life. I want to live a life that he delights in, that brings joy to the heart of God. So last week was really kind of part one of that idea. And this week, as we look at verses 22 through 27, it's part two of beginning to live a life that brings joy to the heart of God. If you remember from verses 19 to 21, we saw it begins with posturing your heart to hear from him. And that's the beginning point, verses 20 to 27, and really obviously the rest of the book, but certainly 20 to 27 build on that idea. We're gonna see four things this morning. I wanna read verses 22 through 25 again just to show you the first one how we live a life that brings joy to the heart of God. Begins by posturing your heart to hear from him. And then verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. So first point for today, wanna live a life that brings joy to the heart of God. Number one, walk the word. So last week, first, you gotta hear the word. You've gotta receive it. You gotta be eager to, to embrace the word of God. Now he says, don't just hear it, do it, right? Walk the word, live it out. It should be part of your life. He says, if, you're, if you only hear, you're only a hearer, you're not a doer, what does he say, verse 22, what are you doing if you're only a hearer, you are what to yourself? You're deceiving yourself. So if you show up to church and, man, like, I, you know, I come to church every Sunday. I even sometimes occasionally come on Wednesday nights and I hear the word of God. If you hear it, but you never put it into practice, you may tell yourself, I'm pretty spiritual and I'm really growing in my walk with the Lord, but you're lying to yourself. If you're just hearing but not doing, you're not putting into practice, you're, you're deceiving yourself. You're not actually growing in the Lord. Now, and even like to take a step further, it, it's possible if you only ever hear and never do, it's possible that maybe you're not even a Christian. James goes on to make you doubt, oh my goodness, I might, no, but the reality is like if you, Only ever hear and never do, there's some self-examination required there. Like, do I know Jesus? And I love what he does in verses, in verse 23 and 24. And it's supposed to be kind of it's silly. Like no one does this. He says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. So we've all done that. Way to go. You did that, I could tell you did that this morning. Way to go, team. Good job. But here's where it gets silly. He says, for he looks at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. It's supposed to be silly. No, no one does that. No one looks at a mirror, takes, takes a while to gaze at it, and then walks away and is like, I have no idea what I look like, who am I? Like, no, you, you, you look and, and you remember. And more than that, y'all, the idea is that I'm looking in a mirror is supposed to lead to action. If you look in the mirror, and see that you have a big old, we'll just be real, a big old booger in your nose. And you're like, ah, you know what? It's kind of par for the course for today. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> like, what is, what's wrong with you, right? If you look in the mirror and like, ladies, you see you've got mascara all down your cheek because you had a good cry that morning. And you're like, you know what? It's just, I want to be real with the world. Let them see my tears. Like, like well, no, you, you, you fix it. You you do something about it. He said, God's word is like a mirror. It shows you what's there or not there that should be there. And if you only hear the word and never do it, that's as foolish as you get up in the morning looking in the mirror, seeing that you're a train wreck and just going, ah, who cares? Be a doer. He says, verse 25, the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. So, so don't miss verse 25. You're still the, the, the doer. They're still looking intently into the word. So it's not just that they're, they're busy, 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 and they never study God's word. No, they study God's word intently, but they don't stop there. They, they go and they... They do. They put it into practice. The one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Perfect law of freedom. Those sound like oxymorons, right? We think of law, we think of restrictions, and I'm going to break it. No, he says God's word is the perfect law of freedom. Just, if it's helpful, give you a little context. He's kind of using this idea that the psalmists would have used in describing God's word. Um, Psalm 19, you don't have to turn the 19, 7 through 11. If you want to, go for it. A little sword drill action this morning. 19, 7 through 11 says this. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them. And in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. So as you follow God's law, as you, as you hear the word and do the word, there's actually freedom in that you get to live the life that God intended you to live. That God's ways are actually better than the world's ways. That there's more gladness, there's more joy, there's more happiness, there's more freedom in living Life according to God's word, amen? And here's the deal if you don't read it, you're not gonna know that. And if you don't do it, you don't live it, you're not gonna know that. If you're, you may study the Bible all the time and feel like, man, I just, I don't feel close to God, I don't feel like it's that great. I would say it's because you're not doing it. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer of the word, walk the word. Can you imagine, my, my kids are only, our kids are only four, but let's just fast forward and say they're seven or eight. When, when do you start reading? you read at eight years old? Sure, I see some, you, know, I, you better be able to. <laughs> I have high hopes for my kids, right? Get out of here, Melissa. Yeah. So let's say they can read, however old they are, need to be to read. And let's say Lauren and I are gonna go on a date night and uh, we leave them a little uh, list of things to do while they're gone, while we're gone which I'm not saying that we should leave our kids home alone when they're seven, but just go with it, okay? (laughs) So uh, we live in this list of some chores, like take out the trash, feed the dog, empty the dishwasher. We go on our date night and we come back and none of those things are done. And I'm like, Haddon, Caroline Tate, did you get the list of chores for us? Dad, mom, that was one of the most beautiful chore lists we've ever seen. Honestly, we, we just sat on the couch for a little bit and we just we just, we just delighted in what you had written. And dad, I, I just want to say, those handwriting classes are really paying off. Like, man, just the nuance. And, and we really, you, you, you had the word please there at the beginning. We just, we got a dictionary. We really unpacked, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean by please? And oh man, as we understood the deeper meaning, dad, it just brought so much joy to our hearts. So we we sat there for several hours and looked it over and and I would say <laughs> I don't know what I'd say actually. Like <laughs> not appropriate for the platform. <laughs> uh did but did you do the dishes? Oh, oh, ah, oh, that's just It's a lot of work. So we we watched we watched some TV. Did, did you feed the dog? Oh, oh, dad, come on. Like Someone else can handle that, right? Like, but we really liked your letter. We, we do that as Christians, don't we? Like, I, he, hear me out. You will never hear me say that you should not study the Bible more. You should always study the Bible more. But I, I would dare say in Western culture, it's certainly, like, I'll just, like, here at Southcrest, I think we sometimes have a culture of we're gonna have 25,000 Bible studies every week, but never live it out. How many of us, what we need, again, don't hear me say, don't read the Bible. You should read the Bible. But how many of us, what we need is not more Bible studies. We need more intentionally living out our faith. Not just being hearers, but being doers of the word. Like, God forbid we get to heaven and we're like, oh, we loved your Bible. We loved the word. And, he's like, and God's like, I wish you would actually done it. Like, listen, go back to the, the, meta, the eight-year-olds who can read now, <laughs> a metaphor. Um, if that happened, would I love Haddon and Carolina Tate any less? Absolutely not. Just to be clear, no, I would love them the same, in case you're hes- hesitant. There. No, I would love them just the same. You guys kind of doubt me there. <laughs> like, no, I would absolutely love them the same. But you better believe there would be a certain joy, a certain delight in my heart to come home and say, like, oh, they actually did what I asked them to do. They didn't just sound, sound spiritual because they read my letter, like, no, they actually actually did what I asked them to. Loves them the same. Man, there's a joy, there's a delight in doing what your father asked you to do. Walk the word. The next few verses, we're gonna treat them as another three points, but really I think, if I'm honest, I think James is kind of just giving us an idea of what it looks like to be not just a hearer, but to be a, doer of the word. He says, verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Second point today, watch your words. So we have walk the word, the word, and then we have watch your words. Watch your words. He says, if you think you're religious, but you don't control your tongue, you just let your mouth run, 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 whatever it wants to say, then you're deceiving yourself. I mean, there, there's some man, fun things to unpack here. We, I think in our culture, we, we think of being religious religion as, as a bad word. We're like, oh, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. I totally agree with that. But religion in and of itself is not bad. James is using religion in a good way here. He's saying like, you should be, you should want to have a pure and undefiled religion, meaning commitment to God. You should be someone who takes their faith seriously, who who wants to live out their relationship with the Lord. So he's saying, if you think you're that person, I'm committed to God, I'm committed to my faith, I'm serious about my faith, you think you're that person, but you don't control your tongue, your religion, your religious activity, so being busy doing all this, quote, spiritual things for God, you're busy, but it's actually useless, he says. And again, what are you doing if you think you're religious, But So you think you're committed to God, but you don't control your tongue. You don't watch your words. What are you doing to yourself again? You're deceiving yourself. So you can think you're super spiritual because you were in church every Sunday this month, even on the month of Halloween. Man, I'm spiritual. (laughs) But if you let your mouth just run, 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 you're deceiving yourself. You're You're not walking with the Lord like you think you are. Or again, like... I think to take it to like, let it run its, that idea run its course. Like, maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe it's revealing that your faith is dead because you you have no ability to control your mouth. The idea of controlling your tongue, it's the idea of, of, of taming it, of, of putting a leash on it. I remember my wife, uh, she had a dog, rest in peace, Bailey, but um, <laughs> growing up, they had a dog named Bailey, and Bailey was crazy. So when, like when you would go, like I would go, we were dating, I would go visit. It was, it, was, it was insane just trying to get in the house because if Bailey saw this much daylight, she was going to take off out the door. Anybody have a dog like that? Yeah, like, you just get nervous anytime someone comes over because the dog is going to make a mad dash. If you go on a walk with Bailey, you better have a leash with those spikes on it because she's going to drag you all over the neighborhood, right? But if you don't have her on a leash, she will wreak havoc. Sure. And actually our dog's a little bit like that too, Duval. Like he didn't get the he didn't get the heads up that he's a golden retriever because he will straight up try to murder your dog, okay? But but we have to have him on a leash or or he'll attack other dogs. He'll go bathroom in everybody else's yards. He'll wreak havoc. So we keep him on a leash and we we keep it tight rein. On. I keep him close because otherwise he'll make a mess of things. That's kind of the picture here of control your tongue, watch your words. You better keep a leash on it because it'll wreck your life. More on Controlling your tongue in chapter three. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Watch your words. Otherwise, it shows that your religion is useless. It's 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 pointless. I mean, you you've missed the point. Uh, some of the pastors or the, the pastors from the church, the guys and our wives went on a quick little retreat this past week, and one of the things we did was uh, go sh- shoot sporting clays. And so we we set up, We took. Uh, um, the machines that we have from the church that we use for Men's Retreat, so these sporting clay, uh, the, throw, the clay throwers. And it, w- it was a good, I don't know, uh, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes of, of getting the angles right and knowing where, where do we put this thrower so it will throw this direction so we can uh, use our shotguns and shoot the clays, right? How foolish would it be, bring all that equipment, 30 minutes of setting all the work up, and then if we got the shotguns and we just, we just shot the shells into the ground? Like, two hours of just shooting into the ground. That's that's nonsensical. That's that's a waste of time. If you are busy about religious activity, what I mean by that is like, you come to church, you say, I'm going to spend time reading the Bible. I'm going to go to a Bible study. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to read this Christian book. You do all those things. Those are good things. But then at the end of the day, with your, your mouth, you just shoot it wherever you want it. You just... Are, are wasting the words God has given you to use for a purpose, then you've missed the point of all that, quote, religious activity. Y'all tracking with me? All right, so if I'm reading the Bible, but then can't control my words, I'm missing part of the point of reading the Bible. Listen, I, just to, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. The Bible is not just about information, it's about transformation. It's not about information, it's about transformation. If your life looks no different than when you met Jesus, something's wrong. I'm not saying you're not saved, but you you've missed something somewhere. It should lead to a transformed life. Part of that being watching your words. I got to keep moving. (laughs) We could hunker down there for a long time. He says, verse twenty-seven. Pure and undefiled religion. So in case we've forgotten his theme here, this idea of living a life that brings joy to the heart of God, living a righteous life. In case we've forgotten, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And he gives the second thing. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. Third point today, help the helpless. Help the helpless. He says, pure and undefiled religion. So a commitment to God, a dedication to your faith that brings joy to the heart of God is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Psalm 68.5 says that God is a father to the fatherless and a champion of widows. And what a cool way for God to to, to describe himself a father to the fatherless and a champion for widows. James is saying, hey, be a hearer of the word, but let it lead you to help those who need help. See, we have this, man, we're so prone. It's just, again, I think it's our like me-centered, narcissistic culture Like, of just, I want, I want God's word to make me feel good and feel better. And the reality is, yeah, let it encourage you. Let it give you life and hope and joy. But then the point is to go and be a blessing to other people. This was from the very beginning. You go back to Genesis 12. Abraham, Abraham, you're blessed to be a what? Try to, uh, it rhymes with blessing and starts with a B, okay? <laughs> Abraham, you are blessed to be a, a blessing. It's not just, Abraham, I'm just going to be good to you just because you're awesome. No, and because I want you to bless other people. I want other people through you to see how awesome I am. That's the idea here. God has blessed you. You've experienced his goodness, his favor on your life. So now go and show that to other people. Whether that be through, through giving financially, by the way, when you give at Southcrest, a portion of what you give goes to widows and orphans. Every, this is like such a small thing. I'm not like, oh, look at us. But every week, Southcrest sends food to uh, one of the foster ministries here in Lubbock, every week. Sometimes if we're in a bind, it's uh, through Grubhub or DoorDash, but we get it done, right? When you, when you give at Southcrest, you're helping make that happen. We have ministry ministries to widows. When you give, you're helping make that happen. But he's not just saying, throw money at them. He says, to look after that. that literally, the more, the more literal translation is to visit them in their distress. So there's a personal touch, to be engaged in their life, to show relationship. God has showed you relationship, so we're supposed to show relationship to other people. I love what Martin Luther, I'm definitely kind of paraphrasing what Martin Luther said, but um says, true religion isn't being tucked away in a monastery. It's serving others through your vocation in the world which is where you meet your neighbors and their needs. Like, I'll just be honest. If you want to get me a little bit irritated and flustered, come talk to me about how pastors and directors, they're so spiritual, and I just, I just have a regular job in the world. No, we're all called to serve the king, amen? We're, no matter your vocation, you're called to serve the king. I love what Luther says. Like, That's where you meet people and you meet their need. It's not necessarily walking through the venue and coming in and just sitting down in your awesome, sweet green chair. No, it's in the everyday happenings of life, doing life with people and showing them the love of Jesus. Help the helpless. That's how you, be, that's how you can be a doer of the word. Now, I love how Paul, excuse me, how James finishes this Particularly, I think this is relevant for, or especially relevant for our culture today. So um, if, if you watch the news on social media or just like are alive, you're aware that there's, uh, especially the past several years, a, a big push towards uh, the social justice movement, right? And here's what's cool here. What James just talked about, helping the helpless, that's, that's social justice. Like that's, that's part of our faith. So just, just like for clarity, you can't be totally against social justice and say you want to be a doer of the word because that's part of doing the word. It's, it's like, I'm going to meet the needs of those who need help. We can get on board for that, right? Like, that's pretty simple. Just Christian faith, right? Okay, okay making me nervous here. Okay, yeah, I, that's not a political stance. That's just like we do what the Bible says. We help those in need, right? But here's where the Bible is different than our culture. What our culture wants to say is, it's all social justice. You live however you want. And you help those in need. Here's what James says. Help those in need and live how God wants you to live. <laughs> he says, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. By the way, just for like, helping those in need is not the job of the government, it's the job of the church. All right, stay focused, okay. <laughs> it's to look after orphans and widows in their need and fourth point coming up, to keep oneself unstained from the world. Fourth point, how you bring joy to the heart of God, pursue purity. Again, just for clarity, this is where it breaks off from the social justice movement in the world today. It's not help those in need, do whatever you want, do whatever feels good. No, it's help those in need and pursue purity. Walk in righteousness. Walk as God has ever, told you to live. You don't just follow your feelings, you follow Jesus. It says, keep oneself unstained from the world. The idea is spotless. Man, this is a great, this verse is a great reminder of we are to be in the world, but not of the world. We're in it, we're serving those in need, but we're not going to act like the rest of the world in the world, but not of the world. Unstained, spotless. Sum it up this way. You can't dabble in the sin that Jesus died for and him delight in that. Oh, just a little bit, just a little bit of the ways world, the ways of the world won't hurt. It'll be okay. I'll just dabble in it a little bit. No, Jesus died for that. There's no way he's gonna delight and put a stamp of favor on that. No, we're to walk in purity. Whether that's when you are alone or with people or on your phone, you walk in purity. Unstained from the ways of the world. Religion, that brings joy to the heart of God, a relationship that brings joy to the heart of God. It's, it's not just these four things, but it's certainly these four things. I'm tracking with that. So there's more to it than this, but it's certainly, it's certainly these things. Begins, which is really the five, go back to last week. Begins with posturing my heart to hear from him. So just make it real concrete. Posturing my heart to hear from him. Then I'm not just gonna hear, I'm gonna, be a doer of the word. I'm gonna walk the word. And from that, I'm gonna watch my words. I'm I'm gonna ask God to help my words be a reflection of his word. I'm gonna help the helpless. So I'm not just gonna sit back and just, I go to church, but I don't really care about other people. When you do that, you're a poor reflection of God the Father. Jesus didn't just see our need and go, oh man, stinks to be you guys, but sure is nice in heaven, like, no, he came to meet our needs. So when you meet the needs of others, you're reflecting the love of Jesus. You're showing the, the transforming nature of the gospel. Help the helpless. And again, fifthly, going back to last week, number five, you pursue purity. So that's just a, like a few things that begin to bring joy to the heart of God. Not so he'll love you. He already loves you. It's established. But because you've looked into the eyes of God through the cross of Jesus Christ, and he sings his song over you, the heart of the believers say, I want to live a life that you delight in. If you remember, what verse was it? Verse 25 says that when you're a doer, when you work out your faith, this person will be blessed in what he does. That's a promise. That's pretty cool. We're not—we don't believe in health and wealth and uh, name and claim it kind of stuff. But this is cool. When when you live how God calls you to live, there's a blessing in that. There's pleasure in the Lord. There, he gives you purpose. There's delight, and that doesn't mean you're rich and famous now. But there's joy that God puts in your heart. There's blessing He bestows on you as you walk with Him. James' older brother. Whose name was Jesus? <laughs> had something to say about that. Not a new sermon, I promise. Jesus said, Therefore, this is Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and Everybody say and and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Where do you think? Where do you think James heard all this stuff about not just being a hearer but being a doer? He heard it and he saw it from his brother, the savior of the world. Everyone who hears these words of mine, the words of Jesus, and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it did not collapse. Why? Because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great, terrible crash. This is so cool. Even in these things like, man, you wanna live a life that brings joy to the heart of God, do these things? Even in that, do you see this is for your good? Jesus, James, the Lord is telling us when you are not just a hearer but a doer, when, when you look in the mirror of God's word and you respond, when you build your life on me, and you're building your house on the rock. And when the storms and trials of life come and they will come, your house, your life will stand firm, will stand steady you've got to build your house. I del- realize the, the delight that God has in me through the cross of Jesus Christ. Now I want to live a life that brings him delight. And in so doing, God just uses that to circle and give me more delight by building my house on the rock. Don't just be here, be a doer. We're going to have a time to respond. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up I want to ask you, what has the mirror of God's word showed you this morning? Don't don't like from the altar to the door. Forget what did God show me. Like no, what has the mirror revealed in your life this morning? What is the Holy Spirit doing in your heart? In what ways do you need to begin to build your life on? the rock. It could be one of those points that we saw in James, or it could be literally like a hundred other things that I'm gonna trust the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And the challenge is right now to consider how you're going to be a doer and not just a hearer. Is there someone you need to talk to? Is there something you need to repent of? Is Is there something you need to go and do to serve someone? What do you need to do? If you need to text somebody right now as a kind of ability, if you need to lean over to your spouse or your friend and say, hey, I need to do this later, would you remind me? Like, like, do that. I'm gonna give you a moment as believers just to sit and be still before the Lord and ask him, Lord, what do you show me? How do I need to be a doer, not just a hearer? I'm gonna let you right now begin to pray and talk with the Lord. If you don't know Jesus, know that again, Jesus lived the perfect life for you. He died on the cross for you to forgive your sins so you can have a relationship with him. The cross is proof that he delights in you. He sings over you and, and wants invites you into the, to the dance of faith, to follow him. See, faith is not a feeling. No, it's, it's following Jesus in the dance of faith. Will you turn from your sin and turn to him and trust him? If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church.